Don Rahul Jimenez. How amateur is that? Like, you don't even see that down in the park. If they, if they lose, it provides great content. I am supporting every team that plays break. I'm not making a documentary this year about how shit my club is. Mudman, thank you as always. Who would you rather lose it to, by the way, me or Johnny? That's somebody's choice. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Football Bubble podcast. Um, Brent here. Um, you'll have noticed that it's not Phil introducing the show. Um, unfortunately, he's led up with a migraine, so um, get well soon, Phil. We'll try not to slag you too much. Um, but deputising, um, we have big and Iron man Steve O'Rourke on the pod this week. Steve, how you doing? I've, I'm doing not as well as Manchester United, uh, uh, anti-Manchester United fans, but I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm depressed. Sport is killing me this weekend, and United just topped it all off. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into it, don't worry. Um, Paddy? Good evening, lads. Darth Mudd, Cousin Mudd, I don't know what other names Phil has for you. <laughs> JD, what's the crack? Oh, not too bad. Uh, I could imagine a wee migraine like Thiago would annoy you a lot, so... God help. <laughs> First of many digs. Thanks, Jerry. We're a minute and a half in. Um, we'll pro- probably start with what was the biggest result of the weekend um, and a developing story in um, the champions um, just undergoing a, a horrible run of form. Um, Paddy, what, what's going on? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I'll tell you what's going on. I'm going I'm to get my uh, my one curse this week out of the way. I'm getting my fucking heart broken every week at the minute. And it's it's absolutely <laughs> destroying me um, watching it. Um, even seeing Klopp upset is like seeing a family member upset. So um, it's been a, a, a tough few weeks for him, obviously. Everyone knows what's happened uh, to him. I'm trying to cope with all this. I can only only empathise with, with his plight but um, I suppose on the pitch we've just been a shadow of ourselves um, you know we sort of talk, talked on here last week about Liverpool's squad is generally quite small sort of 18 maybe first choice players and then supplemented by sort of promising youth team players seems to be the, the sort of MO um, and it's really come back to bite us in the ass I think it was our 17th centre-back partnership um, at the weekend uh, we saw the, the Turkish wall crumble very early in his career um, <laughs> uh, alongside Henderson. So hopefully hopefully better days are, are, are ahead for, for, for Kazakh. I think it's a tough tough time to come in and have your debut in, in challenging circumstances. And I think he did okay against Vardy, whose movement, as we all know, is, is superb. Um, and I really, uh, you know, I don't necessarily blame him for the second goal when Alisson came out and sold the ranch. Um I think Allison can see the whole pitch. I don't know if his shout maybe wasn't good enough or clear enough or loud enough, but I wouldn't necessarily put it on, put it on Quebec. Um, but yeah, it's 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 difficult to watch, and you sort of get this little uh, this little glimmer of hope with a quite sensational goal from from Salah. Uh, for me, his little touch was gorgeous, and and Salah slotted in and did probably the only thing he did right in ninety minutes. Um, 
by sticking it in the corner. But I suppose the nature of how we capitulated is probably the most worrying. Um, mm. The decision, the offside decision has, you know, come under scrutiny on, on social media this week. And I suppose I'm seeing just a very biased point of view of following Liverpool fans predominantly on Twitter. But even taking off my biased hat, if you're looking at where they've drawn the lines, it seems wrong. Um, we sort of talked before our... Um, the line is drawn from from the, his sort of mid to inside of his sleeve, and it actually cuts through his knee. It seems to ignore that his knee exists, um, even though that should sort of fall under the the rules. But um, yeah, it's just uh, uh, you know shit luck, I suppose. Just how we capitulated after that is even more. Uh, you know, a decision could go against you, but to just throw away two goals after that was even more disappointing. Um, yeah, with, and our records shite. Yeah. We've sort of seen that a couple of times now. Like, do you think that's a, a sort of a concern of of Liverpool fans that <clears throat> kind of once they concede, they have capitulated a couple of times now um, since sort of the turn of the year? Do you think that's a worrying pattern? Definitely, it definitely is a worrying pattern. Uh, like the how we folded against Man City was really poor. You know, I didn't think it, Liverpool had been built up as you know, coined themselves as mentality monsters and it's shown that over the last few years that it's sort of been like a like a Ferguson United where the game never really seemed lost and the game never really seemed like it was out of reach no matter if we were one or two goals down you sort of fancied that you'd, you might conjure something whereas now when the first goal goes, goes in, the heads drop I think, you know, uh, you know, you're missing a lot of the spinier side or the spinier side moved uh, in terms of Henderson's move to the back and Fabinho's now injured, my bike's injured, and Firmino's off the boil. So you're sort of missing a lot of the key elements of what made us so great and so progressive over the last few years. Um, Sadio Mane has been absolute dog shit. Let's just put it out there now. He has been shit for a long time now. What is going on with him? I'm, I'm, I actually you're, had to check there right. and see if he played, and he did. Yeah. No, you're right. He's been the invisible man lately. Um, I think... You know, sort of spoke last week that when Firmino's not at it, the space isn't there for some of the wider players. Uh, I think Mane has been really poor. Salah sometimes papers over the cracks by, this sounds silly, by scoring. And I feel like I'm always giving him jip. But his all-round play in that game as well was woeful. Uh, I'm not saying Mane was much better, but Salah was doing things you you wouldn't see, you know, in some of the amateur leagues and up here in Northern Ireland. like um, So... Get in yeah, them, Paddish. This just, is your time. <laughs> Phil is not yeah. here to give you jip. You get into Salah if you want. I'm all for it, mate. Just you ruin him. Well, I, I, <laughs> think, I, think, Philly, I think Philly sort of uh, annoys me, tries to annoy me about Salah by, by really playing on how much he loves him and saying he's the greatest Liverpool player of all time and all that. Um, and I always caveat this by saying I'm glad we have him and you know his numbers are great. But like when you, if you're just in terms of passing the eye test, looking at the technique of a footballer, He's absolutely shit. Like <laughs> honestly, I, I honestly I can't I can't believe what I see sometimes with that man. Uh but anyway, yeah. So uh, you know There is an argument though yes, that without him mentality worries me. You know, that w- without him really at the minute who who is gonna be scoring or or who's gonna be creating because even it looks like to me like I mean, I know the midfield has been affected by the fact that Henderson Fabinho have had to drop in, but when Aldam looks like he's maybe checked out, I know there's a contract talk. Milner's age and Jones, you can't really rely on him because he's only young. So, you know, those sorts of players 
haven't really been doing much either, uh, uh, as well as the front three. So if you take Salah out of that, that team, like, who are you relying on there? No, you're right. Like I would, I'd, you know, again, I'm sort of contradicting myself. I wouldn't drop Salah. I suppose I'm just saying I, I question his, his his technique and his standing in the Phillies pantheon of Liverpool greats. But um, I suppose the way Liverpool have been built over the last few years is four three three. You know, front three express themselves. You know, maybe score seventy goals between them a season, and midfield just supplement supplements them, gets them the ball quickly, wins the ball high, feeds them. Uh, very workmanlike midfield, like Henderson. Wijnaldum, Fabinho, if that's your usual three, you know, between them, you might be lucky to get 10 to 12 goals a, a, a season, really. So for goals, we have always been reliant and luckily enough, the supply has been plentiful. But whenever we're, it all sort of relied on us squeezing the pitch and playing a high line and winning the ball high and, and feeding, feeding the sort of the, the wide players or getting Firmino to drop in. So when we're making the pitch, sort of bigger by the defence dropping spaces are bigger between defence and midfield, midfield and attack. You know, the the fullbacks who have been so devastatingly effective going forward are now 15 yards further back and crossing from bad angles. And everything yeah. has just sort of folded based on probably, you know, Van Dyke's injury has had a, a bigger effect than we all thought. Uh, we spoke a few weeks ago about how Van Dyke slings the ball out wide and even how he hits passes so quickly. Uh, to, to the wider areas like freeze up a second or two balls are coming sort of slow or behind boys and just everything it's just everything isn't working <laughs> good bit of summing up everything isn't working <laughs> um uh, one of those steve i want to ask you um because there's been obviously issues recently at united with the goalkeeper and an argument for bringing Henderson back into has made a couple of high-profile mistakes. This, obviously, there's a similar situation going on there with Allison. How how big an issue do you think that is? And you know, what's Liverpool's best approach there? Do you do you take him out for a few games? Do you keep him in because that's what he needs? Like goalkeepers are strange creatures because Allison obviously made an absolute worldie of a save in that game as well. But the mistake is just so bad. Like whatever about in a crowded stadium and you know really difficult to hear a shout. How you don't get your voice heard uh, in that situation in an empty stadium when you know everyone watching at home can hear everything being said? I don't understand at all. I I probably would drop him um, at this stage because I just think. Like professional footballers are human they might tell you they don't read newspapers and they don't watch TV or whatever but they do and he was told for you know 18 months, 2 years that he was undisputed best goalkeeper in the world when you're coming from that level the confidence drop when you start making a few mistakes must be huge and like if you think you're infallible, if you think you're you're unbeatable, and then all of a sudden you're making like really really schoolboy errors um, I it's going to it, it is going to play with your head but I do think like just just building on what the lads were saying like it, it all come all of this comes back to Jordan Henderson playing in defense like every problem Liverpool have is stemming from that and surely there's somebody there's a training cone they can stick in their center half to get Henderson back <laughs> because it's just having an impact on everything and even right the way back to Allison, it's having that impact. So I just think that like it, it worked so well for the first six or seven games when Henderson first moved back there. 
But I think this is the issue with Klopp this season. And obviously there's like massive mitigating circumstances with Klopp, given what we know now know he's been dealing with. Like I wouldn't be in work if it was my mum that, you know, had died uh, and, and fair play to him for continuing and trying to coach through this and whatever. Right. But, yeah. but like there's, there is like, I just don't understand why he hasn't made the change. Why he hasn't decided, look, we're going to be shit at the back anyway. Let's not be shit in midfield and in attack as well. Like, like at least go out and try and beat teams 4-3 every game, you know? Like, take that approach to it rather than, like, it feels like Liverpool are going to, are good for one goal a game, like scoring-wise, but it also feels like they're going to give up two or three. And, like, is there a thing, like, when Naldon Milner and Curtis Jones, would any of them have got into the Leicester City midfield this weekend? Probably not, and that's a damning indictment on on where Liverpool are at the moment. I think, and it's something just needs to change. And if that starts with Allison and, and works its way out, I just feel like there's nothing to lose now. They're not defending their title. They're going to struggle to get top four if they keep going the way they are. Why not try something different and bring Henderson back out? Stick anyone back there, um, but get him back in midfield because it all comes back down to that. I think. Yeah, that's a good point, and Jerry. I, you know, I'm, I can't help but think when Steve's saying there about just, you know, kind of go all out attack from midfield, do what you can do. And, and you know, you've you've the players there to do that. Um, I can't help but think that when Klopp first came in and Liverpool were a bit chaotic like that, it was just kind of we'll score one more than you. Do you think there's there's value in, in trying to do that? Now, as Steve says, like they're, they're not going to win the league now. No one thinks it looks like Man City are. They're going to run away with it. They've got what, 11, 12 games left. Do you think they should just go all out to secure that top four and just try and score more goals in the opposition, simply? Well, yeah, like uh, that that's pretty much what they've done, you know, prior to signing Van Dijk. And the thing now, they have, well, they do have a better goalkeeper now than what they did back then when they had, is it Karius and whoever the hell was there, Mignolet. So they may as well, you like, try and outscore other teams because like, their defence is absolutely dog shit at the minute. Like, so, there's no other way forward. Like, what's the point in putting your better midfielders in defence if it's going to affect you? You know, teams are going to come firing at you and 10 points can't defend and it's affecting all of them because of the guys in front of them are just, they're nervous, they're not comfortable in them positions. Like, so, I, th- I think, yeah, Steve makes a very good point and I was agreeing with him and everything he said. Like, they do need to change it. Otherwise, they're probably going to struggle for, for top four. Um like your own team, Brent, Chelsea are, are flying up the table again when, you know, a couple of weeks ago they were right beside us, sitting there in the middle of the league. But, <laughs> you know, it's... I, I have sympathy for Jurgen Klopp, but I don't have any for Liverpool fans. And that's not really me trying to have a real dig at them, but you're, you've been champions of Europe, champions of England, champions of the world over the last three or four years. And I'm not saying that the guys that we have on here are, are complaining or yapping, but there are fans I've seen cross social media who need to waste the fuck up because I would rather be sitting in fourth at the moment, you know, having had the success that Liverpool have had over the last couple of years than, you know, fucking third in the Europa League and tenth in the league. And really all I'm looking at at the minute is Arsenal are six points off safety for another season. So, you know, <laughs> lads, don't don't be crying too much about being fucking Premier League champions last year or European champions the year before. It's not all bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, to be fair, that's a, a good point, Jenny. It's it's perspective, and there are a few morons on on social media who probably just focus on playing FIFA Ultimate Team and Football Manager and don't really 
you know, follow a team properly, like who are saying silly things about the ownership or about Klopp and the the short short memories, because you know the last few years have been, you know, by far the best I have experienced in my thirty one years of supporting uh, Liverpool. So I think we should be massively thankful for them and uh, you know give give all of them a bye ball and let's just see how it all goes. Trust the process. Yeah, even I enjoyed your Champions League win. Like I probably enjoyed it more than you enjoyed it because it meant them sure as shite down the road didn't win it. So I was very happy that Liverpool won the Champions League that year. <laughs> and I suppose, it, I suppose it is as Paddy says about what you're used to. Like, and you know, when you're used to win the league in the Champions League in the last couple of years, this is gonna seem like um, a bit of a blip. But another team going through a slight blip. Um, is the red side of Manchester. Um, now, I, I put out a, a video a couple of weeks ago from the pod um, where Phil had said that Ole um, uh, is likely to go through a blip. And it was just before the absolute mauling of Southampton 9-0. And um, I posted out just after that game, just because I'm always shy, just to get Phil in trouble. Um, and he did get shy. Um, <laughs> but I have to say, since then, um, United have probably had a bit of a blip. It's fair to say that we had that um, last minute goal, last minute equaliser against Everton. Um, yes, had the, the FA Cup game, which was just a horrible, horrible watch for I think anyone who watched it. But they did squeak through one 0 there in, in extra time, and then obviously Steve, we had that um, pretty damning result yesterday. Um, away at West Brom, drawn one each, and. Didn't ever they were gonna get a winner, if anything. It it probably looked like they were lucky to get away with a draw. Um what do you think of United now at the minute? Do you think it's just maintain and, and get top four and they'll go again in the summer because it looks like Man City are running away with it? Or like your manager, you know, are you refusing to admit you're in a title race? No, they're not they're absolutely not in a title race. I think that was that was done with the Sheffield United result um a few weeks back. I think, yeah, just maintain uh, top four Champions League qualification, try and get sign like six centre halves, please. Um, because what they have there is just so bad. Um I like the I can't believe I'm saying this. If you'd have told me like six months ago I'd be saying this, but United are missing Paul Fogba. Like, it's incredible the, the difference it's been. Like, when he has been playing that kind of more uh, attacking position, it's just kind of freed everything up a little bit more. And it was one, it's one of the few, like, I don't think United are much better this season than they were last season, to be absolutely honest with you. It's just everyone else has kind of fallen back a little bit, except City. Um, I think Luke Shaw has been a revelation. Uh, Pogba, as I mentioned. Fernandez has been poor. Like, you know, people talk about how much United rely on Fernandez, but he's actually been pretty poor consistently now for about two months. Um, and it's just, they're just at such a risk of conceding every time anyone attacks. Like, it's... it's I don't understand how Harry, I know it's probably because his head is so fucking big, but like Harry Maguire's habit of not looking over his back shoulder when he's defending is just like he's he's an England international. He's probably going to help England win the Euros this summer, like, and he cannot turn his head around to look over his back shoulder when he's defending, and it's a it's a problem that it affects almost every centre half United have. Like, and it's just like I do think Lindelof was fouled. Like, don't get me wrong, but. You're a centre half. Clear the forward out. 
like you're supposed to be bigger and stronger than anyone you're coming up against as a centre half and it's just it's that kind of frailty um, that you just see throughout the, the team um, and there's it like and I personally I blame Carl Anka in the Athletic because ever since he wrote a column about how United are like the, the kings of coming back from losing positions they've got a <laughs> one point exactly from losing positions since he wrote that article so I'm placing the blame firmly on him <laughs> Do you think it is? Goals. Like, Sorry? They've, they've scored some amount of goals like they're actually they've scored the most goals out of all the teams in the Premier League but the the downside is they're conceded 31 yeah 31 like I mean you have to go like Liverpool obviously 32 but then you have to go all the way down to like Leeds um, in 11th for you know someone in, in a similar ballpark like to be honest I actually don't I, I was looking, thinking about it today before we came on like I don't think you know you'd have actually like Southampton results aside because obviously you know you don't take into account a team getting a player sent off after 90 seconds or whatever. United haven't actually played well since the 6-2 um, against Leeds. That was before Christmas. Like, it has been that poor. Um, they got a couple of lucky wins. Fulham was a lucky win. Burnley was a lucky win. Um, and they like to be honest, like there's a couple of games where they've gotten draws. Like they, would have, if Harry Maguire's header uh, this weekend had gone in, like it's daylight robbery if they win that game. Like they did nothing to deserve yeah. to win that game. Um, and yeah, it's 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 just such a weird one because like they are obviously capable of you know scoring a lot of goals, but when you you're just like three of your back four are not Champions League standard footballers, you're just in big trouble. And even like you know. Luke Shaw's having one good season. I'm not going. I'm not fit to crown him like an elite like uh, uh, defender just yet. Like, but th- compared to the other three beside him, like he just looks like you know the new Cafu or something. Like it's just unbelievable <laughs> how good he looks beside them. Do you think though that there's something about the partnership choice in centre half? Like I know Barry's had his injuries, but there's been times where Solskjaer could have started him and. Maguire and he's opted not to and for the life of me I just can't figure out why yeah I wouldn't be dropping by by choice I know he's injury prone like he's he's you know he's not quite John Matip or whatever like but he's 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 close in terms of plus he's like he he jumps into a challenge as well like he is he is a bit rash but he's much more solid than Lindelof Lindelof is I just don't know what he offers as a defender like he's he's just not very good and the, the other thing is like this whole nonsense of making sure Maguire plays every minute of every game because he's the club captain. Like yeah. he needs to he needs to be droppable. This is the problem. Maguire is not droppable at the moment because he's all he's gonna start them no matter what. Um and so it doesn't matter how bad he is or how poor his form is, he's he's going he knows he's gonna start the next game. And maybe that comes back to the Allison point earlier on. Like if you know you're untouchable, like why would you try to improve? Why would you, you know, have that kind of eyes in the back of your head as to who's coming through next or whatever you know so it, it, it's a it's a bizarre it, it just go like I think we all well I certainly didn't get carried I think the last time I was on you know I I was playing down how well United were playing and what the chance to win the title was because I knew this was coming because I, I, as I said I don't think they're playing that much better than, than last year and it's showing all the limitations of Solskjaer as a manager he's not making substitutions quickly enough and then he does bizarre things like 
a game is up, it is past the allotted three minutes, and he brings on a substitute to add another minute to the game, and everything yeah, goes forward. Yeah. Like it's just nonsense like that that you wouldn't you wouldn't see in the Irish league or whatever, you know. So, well, maybe you would actually now. That I think, <laughs> but like <laughs> it's that level that is coaching, and like I keep. I keep telling myself it's not going to be like this forever. Like the under 18s, the under 23s, they seem to have a phenomenal setup. And Solskjaer has played a massive role in that. They have some unbelievable players coming through. I just don't think he'll be manager by the time they actually do make the breakthrough. Um, and and it's because of it's because his in-game management. Like he's really, really good at when United are expected to set up one way them setting up another and it taking a bigger team like a little bit of time to adjust to that or whatever they should have beaten Liverpool they should have beaten Arsenal those are two uh, they're worse results for me than you know the result at the weekend or the Everton game um, because Arsenal and Liverpool were both there for the taking Sheffield United obviously that was just a horror show yeah. from start to finish but like it's no, sorry, sorry, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you Steve but I was going to ask you you know, we spoke a wee bit last week about, um, we sort of said it was a bit like a house built on sand. It was like Liverpool sort of under that sort of season under Brendan Rodgers where things were sort of going well, but it felt like anything could go wrong at any moment and it seems to have happened now. And, you know, you've spoke a little bit there about, you know, some of the some of the results, you know, people that were there for the taking and, and, and points dropped here or there. What, what do you think the way forward is? Like, you know, what do you do now in the summer? Do you change manager? Do, do you need another big investment? What positions do you need? Like, what's the what's the grand plan? Do you think they've done what they did when they were replacing Ferguson? They waited too long to replace the manager with with someone decent. Like Tuchel's gone, Pochettino's gone. Who who are you getting in to to replace him in the summer? That's the issue. I mean, maybe Klopp might be available. Who knows? But I I, don't, I can't see him switching. <laughs> I can't see him switching from Liverpool to, to United. Um, Jose will be back. Oh, Jesus, no, thanks. Done that. I've <laughs> been there, done that, never again. <laughs> um, I, do you know what? I think for Solskjaer, like, he keeps coaching not to lose. And that's just a horrible, horrible way to set up. And, you know, it's a little bit of it is bullshit because it was like United were outspending everyone else they were playing against. But if you go back to the Ferguson kind of era, they never, they ne- he never coached them not to not to lose a game. He coached them to go out and win every game. And Solskjaer doesn't do that. He goes into the games against the the so called big six, and he's happy with a nil nil draw. Like he's delighted with a nil nil draw in those games. When Arsenal in that game are missing three, you know, three starting players, Liverpool, as we've seen, have been horrendous over the past month or so. And like they're two, they're, like that's six points, and then it's suddenly it's one point difference at the top. Now again, I think that would have been masking over where, what the difference between the two sides are. I still think City are just so far ahead of everybody that it would just be false hope. But at least you'd say to yourself, well, they're capable of going out and getting results against big teams, which they haven't shown under Solskjaer this season, especially that they are capable of doing. So I honestly don't know how it gets better in the summer, other than 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 signing a world-class centre-half but I don't see him doing that because he, he's convinced that if he just gets someone decent in beside Maguire it's going to be a great centre-half partnership and so he's probably going to go cheap there when he really that's really where they should be making the splash I think going forward if they can keep Pogba McTominay has suddenly developed into one of the best young midfielders in the league I don't know where that's coming from because I didn't see it coming at all like he now can he now he can he's got goals he's adding to you know what he does or you know kind of in that 
um Roy Keane kind of box to box role as well. Like um mm. so I don't I, I don't think they're like clearly there's an issue with, with um Martial and even Rashford at the moment. There's there's no form among their strikers. Like Cavani is you know, they maybe signed Cavani two or three seasons too late to see the best of them. But it feels like in in Pob uh, in Fernandez in McTominay they have you know and if they can keep Cavani for another season say for example they've four of the the front five that you kind of need to be challenging for for honors or whatever they've Luke Shaw who I think could if he keeps this form up will it's fine I think Juan Bissaka if he can like. Defenders just know he can't cross the ball, so he gets loads of space. If he just spent the summer practicing crossing the ball, like he gets so much space, he would make a killing if he could actually deliver a cross. Like, but I don't think he's the issue either. I think that the issue is always a ball comes into the box, one of Lindelof or Maguire is probably going to make a mistake, and it just feels like that every way. So, unless he fixes that, it's just going to be top four. 20 points behind the winners again. You know, this the story of Manchester United over the last about decade, really. And do you think, like, the... I I think you're right. Like, I think they need a, a world-class centre-half, maybe, too. Um, I don't know how Maguire would respond to, to somebody very solid being in beside him. Maybe, well, it needs to be somebody fast. But um, do you think the board really believe that it's going to be Solskjaer that will bring that team forward and, and into a title-challenging team and give him that centre-half and, and maybe give him, I don't know, that right winger as well? Mm-hmm. Or do you think, you know, they're just kind of biding their time until somebody else becomes available to, to, to really move that team, you know, closer to Man City? It does feel like they're in a, a holding pattern. That's a, that's a very good point. Like, since the Fernandes kind of by last January, like, which obviously has worked out. Like, there's no denying that that's been a success, but I don't think anyone saw it being the success it has turned out to be. I don't think anyone, if they did, I don't think he would have ended up signing for Manchester United, to be honest. I think he would have gone to the other side of the city. Um, <laughs> but I do think you're right. I do think they are probably just waiting for that name at this stage. Like, it's, it's one of these things, like, it's, he's going to be good enough, Solskjaer, to keep them challenging for a top four every season. He, that's his level. He's not going to be good enough to win a title with them. So are you happy as a club to get that Champions League money year after year, maybe win a Champions League every now and again? Because, you know, it's a cup competition. You, it, It's obviously easier to win than a, than a, a league over 38 games or whatever. But I do think that if, if a, I don't know... I, I don't. I don't even know where they go. Like, where, where, where do you go from here? Like, because a new manager comes in and is going to want to put his identity on it. And I do think one of the only good thing that Solskjaer has maybe done is at least there is an identity to this team now. You know what? They've kind of gone for that Liverpool under Brendan Rodgers idea of look. Yeah, we know we're going to concede, but our hope is to score more than you every game or whatever. Um, and I kind of like that because at least. You know, there's a couple of games recently have have been the exception, but up until say that Leeds game just before Christmas, every single get United game this season was kind of exciting to watch, and there that there hadn't been that for a long time. So I think from that point of view, he's doing just enough every single season to keep his job. But it's the Glazers have just tasted success in the NFL with a, a Super Bowl, the first one in 20 years, 
and they did that by making like a big splash and getting Tom Brady in um, and a few signings around him. And I just wonder, is that the kind of inspiration that they they might kick on in, in United as well and try and do something similar this summer? That's probably more hope than expectation. But like, you know, as I said at the start, sport is depressing enough at the moment. If we don't have hope, we have nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Jerry, do you think do you think a centre half at Old Trafford is enough? To, to make them challenge Man City next season or do you think there needs to be more world class injected into that United squad I know they've sent Diallo as well there recently who you know from all reports uh, looks like he's going to be a fantastic player he may be a bit young at the minute but um, do you think they need a little more yeah like you can always do with a little more I suppose and world class players like I suppose if United got in the likes of your Jadon Sancho and, and and guys like that, and you know some mad transfer like Mbappe or something like. I mean, the the place would be absolutely mad. Like, yeah, I think you know the fans would have a bit of belief again that right we're going out here and we're sending these world class players and we actually can challenge. But I think they do need to address the the defense first and probably the goalkeeper as well because like De Gea, there's no doubt he was a world class keeper. I don't. No, be still world class now. He's still a very good keeper, like. But you know the the little mistakes when he first arrived at United are starting to creep back in. Um, but yeah, like I know I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Like I used to like Harry Maguire and thought he'd be a good signing even for Arsenal at the time. But he's really been exposed um, the last while at United, and he's just I don't know. Like you said about him, you know, he never turns his head around to have a look at what's around him. You know, by the time he turned that head around, the frigging season be over. Like, so <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it is strange. Like, you know, and that, that had, um, you know, a bit more quality at the back. You, you can see with Liverpool, like when they signed Van Dijk, how strong they were in defence and the goal, they didn't concede as many goals. And it gave the players in front of them belief, you know, if we make a mistake, then Van Dijk's going to come in here and just win the ball back and we'll go again. I think maybe United need something like that. Um, I think Steve's right about Cavani. Maybe they did get him a few years too late, but at the same time, he's still scoring goals for them. Like, and if he had a take, and I just think he, he, he needs a few chances to score a goal. Like yeah. the chance he had against Arsenal, like he really yeah. should have buried that. And I would have been fucking raging, but still, you know, it's it's those small margins like which which define your season. Like if United don't finish in the top four. And I, I actually believe they will finish top four anyway. But if they don't, you know, they'll look back on, you know, points dropped there. Like, and, and Steve's right, Arsenal in a game, I believe, were definitely there for the take. And like, United should have went into that game saying, no, Aubameyang, Tierney, Saka, thinking, right, let's go out and just stick a couple past them here, kill the game early and, and go away with three points. And I think that's kind of my kind of criticism of, of Solskjaer over the last while. Like, he... Gets United going for a while and then they have a couple too of safe. results. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't really be too safe all the time. Like, I understand you go into games, like, maybe over a two-legged game, the Champions League, where you're playing, like, a, a Barcelona and then you get them at home in the second leg and it's still all there. You know, then you go yeah. for it. Like, But I just, I don't know. I don't think Solskjaer is the man for United. Um, You've made a really good point there about the two-legged thing because I've actually heard Solskjaer reference that in post-game interviews, talking about the two legs of games against teams in the league. Everyone, there's no way it goes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's not a thing. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he, he's just, I don't know, like, I'm happy he's manager of United because he just, you know, it's its one of them managers that keeps providing good content for for to have a laugh at. Like, you know, it's the same with Mourinho at Spurs. The minute. Like, they're just, you know, imploding and it's freaking great to watch. Uh, we're no better, like, but so I can't really talk. But, you know, it's just, it's just, they just keep giving you things to talk about. And, and I think the Glazers are happy because he probably will get them in top four. And it's a bit like Wenger the last couple of years he was at Arsenal. You know, he got top four consistently and the money was coming in. And, you know, there was no pressure on him to win the league. And when you were describing Solskjaer there about just finishing top four, maybe winning the Champions League, like, like Wenger couldn't do that in his last 10 years. But he done a, he done quite an interesting interview there over the weekend where he just said about he had to sell a player every season to keep them keep the money coming in to pay off the stadium and stuff. And yeah. it feels like that is what Solskjaer is doing. He's just trying to get Champions League money to keep his job. And like that, that's not really the way it should be in sport. Like you should be going all out to win no matter what. And understandably, you're not going to put the club in you know debt that's going to liquidate you or whatever. Like, but at least show a bit of intent to win. Like and. I know United uh, owners probably think, well, we'll sign Paul Pogba for all this money and Lukaku and blah, blah, blah. But you can't just sign one player for big money, you know, no. once every couple of years and that's it. Like, you know, if you're owners, you're in it to, to win it and you need to be investing all the time if you want to be successful consistently. And you're right about that top four thing. Like, I, I my, both my parents, absolutely huge Liverpool fans, right? And it was my first trial job to kind of become a United fan just to annoy them or whatever. But I, I watched I watched the United Leicester game that you know the, the the game to get into the Champions League uh, last season in their house and they bear in mind Liverpool had won the title so the house is bedecked in Liverpool like flags outside jerseys <laughs> on and all that and I watched the game and obviously it's a huge game for United qualifying for the Champions League or whatever right but once the final whistle went I felt nothing like you don't you don't celebrate qualifying for the Champions League you set you barely celebrate winning an FA Cup the two things you celebrate winning the league. And winning the Champions League, they're the two things you kind of care about, or whatever, as a, as a as a football fan of a of a top team or whatever. Like, so this thing about you're right, it, it's kind of nowhere zone of oh yeah, Champions League, yay, great, we'll be knocked out in the group stages again. Thanks for that. Arsenal, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unless you, unless you're, you're Mourinho celebrating qualifying for the Europa League as well. Like. <laughs> that was that was all put on for a documentary. I'm telling you, like, it definitely, definitely was like. He knows what he's at, and he's a prick, and I can't stand him. So let's not waste too much more time on him. But um, two feet in there on Spurs. I, I just want to, yeah, of course, always. Um, I want to make um before we move on from United, I want to quickly, Steve, get your opinion on the hair and um the, the debate around that. Do you think, as Jerry suggested, there, he's maybe getting on a bit, and it's time to introduce Henderson maybe you know we'll probably see him in the Europa League games I would say um maybe the latter stages of the FA Cup and integrating him into the side do you think he's good enough or what do you think from what I've seen of him he is good enough like I I, like I don't think he obviously benefited from from last year and getting that experience that he that he got last season or whatever and I think that really helps but I think the plan had been that they were going to start integrating him into the, the first 11, like probably much sooner than now. But De Gea did have a relatively decent stretch this season where he did seem to to cut the mistakes out of his game. But you're right, they're, they're definitely creeping back in. And it just feels like 
it just feels like it's it's the falling off a cliff season for him where like it's only going to get worse from here or whatever so I, i'd bring henderson in like, like you know i just the way the table is falling this year i would be surprised if united didn't qualify for the top four like given you know the 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 way it's going to go well the way i would expect it to go so like getting the premier league experience give him the europa league games or whatever give money you know, FA Cup games going forward or whatever. Um, but the is just contract is a nightmare as well. Like, so it's very difficult to see him signing anywhere else first because he's not going to get anything like the money he's on at the moment. So it's very difficult to see him what he'll do. So do you just take the hit with his wages and, and leave him on the bench and play him in the cup games? And that might be what they have to do towards the end of the season and next season. But yeah, I like, don't get me like, there was. There were several, several seasons when David De Gea was by far and away the best player in that Manchester United team. He owes the club nothing, um, yeah. so I like I'm happy enough for him to collect his retirement uh, on the bench uh, for United, given what he did for those few seasons or whatever. So yeah, but I do think it, it is time to move on. Um, and like you have a 23 year old there, like I mean, it's it's we know with goalkeepers they get. They, they like they're a bit like red wine or whatever they they age quite well so um yeah. hope you know well unless you're jordan pickford obviously um but <laughs> i just think that why not why not give him the run like that's the thing there's nothing to lose at this stage like you know yeah and, and i think you're right and like i think he was wasn't the united player of the year like three years in a row or yeah. something stupid or three three times in five years i don't know what it was but um yeah he has been a fantastic servant um, but we are going to have to move on, Jerry. Unfortunately for you, um, to the mighty Gunners, uh, entertaining game yesterday against Leeds, um, four 0 up, and give them a little hope, as Arsenal love to do, uh, come back into the game. But they they eventually won four two. Some, um, debatable results over the last few weeks out of the FA Cup, sort of. It's a bit of a mess season now. Like they're obviously not going to get relegated. Um, what's what's success? I suppose for Arsenal now from now to the end of the season. Uh, I think realistically, success is getting another six points in the league and winning the Europa League to get back into the Champions League because we're not going to finish in the top four. I doubt we're even going to finish in the top six. Um, yesterday's result was like I obviously just. Told you yesterday, I got really, really put off football the last while. When you see the just the shit that goes on, like with uh, apparent Arsenal fans giving Arteta and his family abuse online, and then fucking referees and VAR, man, I just can't be ass with it anymore. Like it's just it puts me well off. Like and then no crowds there as well. It's just fuck this. Like Joe, like Saka got pushed yesterday, and the referee gave a penalty, and then VAR didn't give the penalty, but. Fucking David Louise done that the other week against Wolves and he sent off and it's a penalty. Like, it fucking just blows my mind. I cannot believe the decisions of some of these referees. And then they have that clown Dermot Gallagher coming on and talking shit on every friggin'. And, and you notice how he done an interview with Off the Ball this week and he's just went so Irish. Whilst before he was just fucking a prick. He's just always been a prick. Can't stand any referees. <laughs> just to do my head in, like, but. The, the, one of the one of the, the best thing about beating Leeds yesterday was really rubbing it up that we shit Al Alask. What the hell? What's his name? Al Alaski. You know the one that's Ali 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 yeah. that's him. 
because he he was involved with Pepe getting sent off, and I was just like middle finger you, you little shit. Take a bit of that, but nice to see Aubameyang scoring again. Can't believe the man actually scored a hat trick. Wild, he hasn't scored a goal. It seems like a century now. So, yep, n- nice win. First hat trick in the Premier League. Yeah, first hat trick in the Premier League, but not for for the Arsenal. Um, but yeah, just nice to see Arsenal actually win a game. You know, I've found when I don't watch them that they win. When they went on that wee nice run there around Christmas time, I had actually hadn't watched any of the games live due to a few a few different reasons. But I watched the game. I think I watched the United game on Drew, and then I was like, "Am I tempting fate here? Should I just maybe not watch them again?" And then I did watch them, and they got beat by Villa. And I'm just like, "Right, it's time for me to stop watching Arsenal again." And I have, and I've started watching, obviously watching Ireland the rugby, and they're getting absolutely hoofed every week now. So I should just, I should just stop watching sport altogether. Hope of any team that I like. You're not what's good is is really what you're telling us. Yeah, like if I mean, if I stop watching Arsenal for the next couple of years they'll probably the friggin winners of the Champions League like 100 million times I don't know and win the Club World Cup and all sorts <laughs> so I think I might just stop watching <laughs> see what happens like 10th place at the minute um, behind Spurs 34 points um, form patchy what do you think what's the main problem at Arsenal and I, I know there's been some some kind of highlights for them this season. Obviously, the uh, uh, the young fellas coming through, Emil Smith Rowe, Saka, um, Martinelli, who who we haven't seen in a couple of weeks. Um, I think it, it was questioned why William came on instead of Martinelli yesterday when they were when they were winning. I think it was four one at that stage. Um, William, we oh god, I mean the William is... conversation is just. I think he's one of the problems, to be honest. Like I told you before we even signed him, I didn't want us to sign him. We give him a three year contract for whatever reason. And I think Arteta is just playing him now because he's hoping he plays him into form. But he is just so past it and he has no interest in playing for Arsenal that I just don't see the point in wasting time playing him when we could play, you know, guys like Reese Nelson who could develop into a good player, give Pepe the, the, the game time who's been in good form recently. Like we're just wasting a squad number on William. He should piss off back to Brazil or the MLS or wherever he wants to go to retire and make his money because he's just offering absolutely nothing to Arsenal. And over the next three years, he's going to offer us nothing. And he's he's going to be like we need players that are going to be there long term. And if this is a project that Arteta wants to build, then William can't be part of it because what's the point in having him? Because in three years' time, he's going to piss off elsewhere. Whilst we're kind of in the middle of trying to build up to where we want to be again, which. I don't know, like, you want to be challenging for the Premier League again, but it just seems like Arsenal are just so far away off that. Like, they're so far off challenging for the Europa League, never mind Premier League and Champions League. Like, it's, it's, I mean, we have a decent squad, and I think we should be a bit higher in the league than what we are, but when you're giving decades like William a contract for three years, and quite honestly, I wouldn't be giving David Luiz a new contract, but that's all the talk from... Um, yesterday that he's getting yeah. another year extension like it's just what is that all about William yeah, Saliba should be coming back and he's been in fantastic form in, in the French League yeah um, that's a good point you make Eddie like um, Paddy that's come out recently that Arteta is seems to be happy with the idea of giving David Lewis 
ways an extension because he, he because he likes the sort of impact he has as a senior player on, on the younger lads coming through. Do you think that's a bit of an issue at Arsenal? Like, do, do they ha- does Arteta have enough personalities that he can, I suppose, rely on to to bring them through? Because the one thing about Arsenal this season seems to be inconsistency and, and there's no real coherent drive. Um, and that comes from characters and, and senior players. Do you think he has enough people like that to rely on, and he's maybe trying to hang on to that with with the likes of David Luiz because there's there's not that many of them about that squad. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a good point, and I'm sure that's part of the reason that, that they're keeping Louise about because it's probably not for footballing reasons. Let's be honest; he must offer something in the in the dressing room. Um, you know, Arsenal have such a young squad, and you know it's important to have someone with experience around it to help them. So uh, he maybe sees him as a bit of a, a bit of a lieutenant and, and uh, you know, he's got rid of some of the people who maybe were causing trouble or rifts. You know, Mustafi is gone much to Johnny's delight and, and Ozil's gone too. So, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Arteta just needs time to mould that squad. And I know that from a Liverpool perspective, you know, Milner's talked about in those circles as someone who, you know, sets the tone and uh, raises standards and training and things, and and maybe that's that's what Louise brings to the party. Maybe he's a sort of consummate professional in training, and uh, if you're going to place a lot of faith in in youth, which Arteta is doing, um, you know, you're going to need a, a little bit of a little bit of cool heads around you. And um, as Alan the, Hansen the thing said, that you, you, me don't, you don't win with kids. He he was touted as one of the guys that went behind Arteta's back to do only like two months ago with William to try and get him sacked. So it's kind of interesting to know like why he really thinks he's one of the guys that should be a positive influence because we know even at his time at Chelsea, he wasn't a positive influence when it came down to the fact he wasn't getting his game time. And if he is signed to another contract for another year, that should be how he's used it sparingly next year. He should only come on and cup games and to see out games at the end. Like he should not be starting games if he is signed on and that's maybe where he might have his jib that he's not getting playing and all this here kind of kick but I, I, I the, you know the point of James Milner James Milner is the ultimate professional and he's won Premier League with, with Man City and stuff before he came to Liverpool and he's an incredible shape and obviously he's you know he's just a meme magnet like he's just a weird child who irons his shirts and his jeans and all sorts of shit but um, I think David Louise just is so you know, bipolar managers, when he falls out of them, he really falls out hard and he has that influence on the squad to kind of make them not like the manager and make the others the other players in the squad turn against him. I just I don't see really the the benefit of having someone like him around because he has made a few mistakes for us already. He's I think he's he had more red cards for us than he ever did for Chelsea. So and that's only in less than two years. So yeah. I don't know. It's it's a strange situation. Arteta is still a young manager and is probably still, you know, learning as he goes. But I think we will, like, we'll just myself, accepted that it would be a long time before Arsenal kind of go anywhere with Arteta because he really doesn't really know what he's doing. He's 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 learning every week, and it's just um, it it's not that it's frustrating, but like we do need to have patience with him, and a lot of fans don't, and we have uh media outlets for Arsenal fan TV who just spread uh, negativity and hostility around the club and 
I don't know. It's I think he just needs time. We just need to see what he does. I think he'll probably get another season to see how he gets on. And if if the pressure comes, you see him with the pressure with Wenger towards the end. Like the the club just had to make a decision to kind of let him go, even though he made it. Well, it was made out to us that he stepped down himself, but I think it was you stepped down or you get sacked. So I think it may might be something similar for Arteta if he doesn't start kind of even pushing for the top four after next season. Yeah. Steve, what what do you think? Do you think like if you kind of directly compare it to um, Solskjaer at United, one thing he probably does have is um, big characters and um, players that if Maguire wasn't captain could step up. You, we've seen Fernandez um, do that uh, the way he he chases the ball, the way he um, you know he, he shouts at players. We've seen now with Cavani too. Pogba could do it. Luke Shaw, you know. The list goes on at United, but is that one of the problems at Arsenal? Is that they don't have those characters, and and you know they've been used to having them in the past. There's a, there's a couple of things, and I think that's absolutely nailed on the head. I think what United do have is those kind of players who will. You know, it doesn't always work, but you know that in training. They're, they're chastising younger players for not trying and you know that they're really going and maybe that's what Louise does but what to me Louise has always and maybe like this is maybe it's the hair but he's always seemed like a liability <laughs> as, as a defender like he's never seemed to be someone you as watching as a like an outside observer that I go yeah that's someone I, I could build a team around in terms of like you know leadership and things like that and I do think there's everyone's heard the rumours about him going behind Arteta's back in terms of trying to get him sacked and stuff like that. So I do think, you know, that's not someone you do want around. The other thing I wonder as well, like, I'd be interested to know what you all think about, like, Emi Martinez being let go, because to me, he's the best goalkeeper in the Premier League at the moment. Um, and it feels like, I wonder where this Arsenal team would be if he was there. Um, not that that's necessary. I, I know goals are, are kind of a, a bit of an issue for Arsenal as well, but it feels like, if you that kind of base at the back, there's a player you can kind of count on to harangue your back four, keep them in check, and then just comes from there. Um, but yeah, it feels it, it feels a bit like it's it's it, Arteta is Solskjaer just without the budget. Like that's really what it feels like from the outside. They're both learning on the job. They both potentially could be decent managers someday. But, you know, I think the very first time I came on this podcast, I spoke about Arteta being this weird signing who somehow made both Manchester City worse and Arsenal worse by leaving Manchester City. Uh, now, obviously, Pep has, Pep has turned that around since then quite dramatically. And it just feels like Arsenal are in this, like, no-man's land at the moment. And I don't think it's forever because I do think there are some, like, very, very good young players coming through there. But again, it's back to what I said about Solskjaer earlier on. Will Arteta be the manager around to actually get the most from them? And I don't know if he will be. Um, but I do think Arsenal have this. It, kind of, Liverpool have it, but Liverpool have obviously had such success recently that it hasn't been a factor. But the fans thing, the fan TV stuff, it is an issue. Like it, like this nonsense of of, of listening to just like five or six blokes opinions and treating it as gospel like doesn't really happen with any other club um and i don't envy arteta having to deal with that crap um on a weekly basis either like so there's a few things but um i think it, like it will get better for arsenal like it, i think there's too much 
talent there among the younger players for not in a season or two. It's just whether Stan Kroenke is going to wait a season or two and everything he's kind of done in his sporting career so far would suggest that he won't. Yeah, it's it's a good point about Martinez, I think. Um, and, and since we've been talking about goalkeepers as well, you know, he, he definitely is the, the most in form. And you always, anytime you watch um, Villa, you see um, the the effect he has on on the back four. He's always talking. Um, what do you think about that, Jerry? Quickly, and then um, we'll move on from Arsenal. Yeah, well, obviously Arsenal had to make a decision in the summer whether to keep Leno or keep any Martinez. Um, I suppose at the time there was such a small sample size for Martinez, and I really liked him, and I wouldn't have been annoyed either way whichever one we kept because I think they're both good goalkeepers, but. Yeah. Um, Martinez was at Arsenal for ten years. You know, he wasn't. He basically wanted guaranteed to be number one, and uh, Arteta couldn't guarantee him that. So he says, "We'll let you go," and that's fair enough. Um, but I do agree. He's definitely probably the best keeper in the league at the minute, which is just so typical of Arsenal to kind of let go of a player who goes on to another team and is absolutely fantastic. But it's just one of those things, and I don't begrudge Martinez for leaving either. You know, it's he wants to play a regular football, and he's playing very well for Villa. So. You know, good luck to him. You know, he he done he done his, his time at Arsenal, and now he's got his chance to play in the Premier League. So, so what? Yeah, doing doing very well, Villa. Um, and Villa currently above Arsenal in eighth, and um, a couple of games in hand still. So they're still in the in the shout for European football there too. But um, before we go, there's there's another club that are most definitely um in the shout for European football too, and currently in fourth place is West Ham who are are, are um, beating Sheffield United 2-0 with a couple of minutes left um, I think they probably haven't been talked about enough, um, certainly on this podcast we, um, we've probably lacked um, some chat about West Ham um, Paddy how good of a job has Davy Moyes done being finishing 16th last season um and currently in fourth place and he's brought in some worldly players um, he, he's really developed Declan Rice into um a, 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 maybe a future England captain he, he's been that good um seen the likes of Suchak come in and be, and be brilliant he, he seems to have done the impossible and make Jesse Lingard relevant again as well um, <laughs> who? <laughs> what do you think of West Ham this season and, and um, you know does Davy Moyes deserve a lot of accolades for that? Uh, absolutely you know they've, they've been they've been absolutely fabulous I think you know uh, maybe the football fan or from watching Premier League football for many years maybe maybe like us all I sort of thought that West Ham would, would quickly fade away like they tend to do um, you know they can put together a run of, run of results and sort of pull the wool over everyone's eyes and then they sort of regress to the mean and you know they've been a bit of a a bit of a sort of circus for years with with the owners and the new stadium and changing managers and everything but for the first time in a long time they've looked like a, a stable functional football club and um, Moyes has brought you know just a real solidity to them um, which you usually wouldn't associate with with West Ham United Um, like you said Rice has come on fantastically under his tutelage and you know, the recruitment has been pretty impressive. You know, West Ham have notoriously wasted money over recent years. And 
it seemed to have tightened things up maybe in the last six, 12 months. Um, you know, the likes of bringing in Sushek, who apparently Moyes, you know, took trips to Prague himself to, to scout, sort of a, an old school signing where, where he went to see him and it wasn't as much about sort of scouting and videos. Um, and he has been incredible. You know, he's been an absolute pillar of that midfield. Eight goals from midfield, such a threat in the air and, and a great uh, great defensively uh, at set pieces as well. And then you sort of complement that with the likes of Jared Bowen, who they've signed from the championship, who has done excellently well, looks a really, really good player. And, and Ben Rama, who hasn't sort of set the world alike, but you can tell there's a real talent in there as well. Um, and I think they're... they're uh, friend of mine, Forby, shout out to him. Uh, I know he listens and, and he's a West Ham fan. and He um, understandably gets worried when Antonio isn't playing. Uh, I think he's become so important to West Ham, but yeah. uh, can be very injury prone. So uh, I'm sure it's encouraging to see that they're looks like they're going to pick up another win tonight but maybe that's an area that they're hoping to to strengthen in the future um, and, and not maybe rely as heavily on on Antonio but uh, what, what do you guys think about West Ham any, any of the rest of you has been impressed I, I I think it's phenomenal because you know they it's like ex-girlfriends you should never go back and yet you know they were going to play Moyes and it's, it's worked out really well like like I think Moyes style at United obviously changed a lot of opinions but what he did with Everton is pretty much what he's doing with West Ham he turned them into a very difficult to beat team and what he has is he's the likes of of Declan Rice and Suchek probably what he didn't have after he lost Wayne Rooney at Everton um I just think they're they're a really solid team um and I kind of keep an eye on their results and you'd always be surprised at this stage now when they're losing games, um, I think he he's just done a really really good job, and um, like yeah, you would like you'd worry about bringing in Jesse Lingard. You think, Jesus, that's a weird signing. That uh, what, what have you seen from Jesse Lingard in the last <laughs> two years to make you think he's worth signing? And then he goes and scores on his debut, and you go, all right, you know more about football than I do. Um, <laughs> so like there there is stuff like that. Like Antonio is obviously a phenomenal player as well, but that's the thing they. Throughout the team, in, in, in throughout the, the the squad, really, they've solid, solid Premier League players at every position, and I, I, that's a great building block um, to kind of go from. But I like watching them play as well. That's the thing; it's not like it's it's boring defensive football. They they can play nice football too, and yeah, Rice doesn't have the kind of flashiness of Greedish, maybe, but you know what a combination those two will be in that England midfield for the next decade or so um, if they do wind up playing together yeah uh, Jerry uh, I know Jerry Senior is a, a big hammer so he's bound to be happy at the minute I mean like yeah I suppose he is he he, um, he never really rated Moyes and you know what he still doesn't but <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just my dad. Like you know, he just he just isn't happy with West Ham ever. Like, but um, I, wa- I wondered where you got it from. Like, well, well, you know what? Um, I think he kind of done me a favor by not making me support West Ham. So, um, yeah, they're doing really well. Fair play to them. Um, I always like to see them do well because I want them to stay in the league. So me and him can have that banter every year about you know when we beat them or the you know the odd year when they beat us because they do they do beat us every now and then. So. Yeah, it's it's always a team I look out for, and um, I want them to do well. So, I think Moisey's just that's just his level, you know that that sort of team. You know, if he goes like he went to United and it didn't work out, but 
Um, yeah, if, if, if when he's at that level and he's with those type of players who just work hard for him and uh, can grind out results, you know, they're they're a good team and they deserve deserve to be where they are. They're definitely a lot better team than us this year. So for a fair play to them, it's nice to see them do well. Yeah, um, I think they've got um, have a tough run coming up. I think they've Tottenham, City, United, Leeds. Um, an Arsenal now in the next five. So if they, if they come out of that and they're still um, within touching distance of that, that top four, um, they'll, they'll definitely be in with a shout among plenty of others for that European race. Um, but I think I'll do this tonight. Um, lads, thank you very much. Steve, Paddy, Johnny. Um, hopefully Phil um, is feeling a bit better and be back next week. Um, but in the meantime, you can catch all of our stuff Um uh, just search Football Babble um, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you want or if you can, jump onto our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash football babble. So we'll see you again next week. Good luck.